Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by Homeschool Explained, an online course I created to help parents begin their homeschool journey with confidence. I was getting a lot of questions from parents about my family's homeschool journey. They wanted to know more, but weren't sure how to get started or even if homeschooling was a good fit for their family. So I started teaching in-person workshops here on Maui to help parents sort that out. But then requests started coming in from other islands and other places asking if I could put it online for them too. So I did. I totally get it. Starting any new journey can be overwhelming, especially when you feel this call on your heart to homeschool, but aren't sure where to begin. That's why I've put over 10 years of homeschool experience and insights into this easy to follow, easy to use online course that answers common questions, helps you work through your worries and saves you time. Homeschool Explained is for anyone who is interested in homeschool now or in the future, but isn't sure where to start. The information in this course will help you make an educated decision about whether homeschool is the right fit for your family and help you understand what modern homeschool days actually look like, all while covering major topics like curriculum, homeschool styles, subjects to teach, cost, state laws, socialization, and so much more. This course takes the guesswork out of where and how to begin and leaves you with solid support and resources. Start your homeschool journey with confidence. Find out more at elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash homeschool. That's elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash homeschool. What does it take to create a homeschool curriculum turn it into a business and homeschool your kids all at the same time? We are about to find out. Christina Garner is here with us today. She is the creator, author, and business mind behind the homeschool curriculum Blossom and Root. Christina is an artist, a writer, and a homeschooling mom to her two young daughters. She creates secular, nature-based homeschool curriculum and writes regularly on her beautiful blog, Blossom and Root, about homeschooling with a focus on nature, STEM, and the arts. She also enjoys traveling, making a fantastic mess with paint, exploring the beautiful Colorado Rocky Mountains, rock climbing, and reading. Christina is the second mama to join me in the called to create series here on the podcast, which will feature interviews with mothers who are also creatives and business owners. In this series, you'll hear inspiring stories about how these women got their start, created powerful products and businesses, how they balance work and motherhood, what they've learned along the way, and what they continue to learn. I want you to tune in and be encouraged to answer your own call to create. I loved Christina's thoughtful, encouraging insights in this interview. She is a true artist, cheerleader, and brilliant mama. Whether you're a homeschooler or not, this episode is totally worth a listen. Let's welcome Christina to the show. Aloha, Christina. Thanks for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited because um, this call to create series is something that I feel super passionate about. And I know so many moms are wanting to create or have been creative and diving into the backstory of things has been really inspiring for me. And I know other moms too. So I'd love to begin with your backstory about how Blossom and Root came to life, because honestly, writing a homeschool curriculum is huge. It's huge. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering what inspired you, if there was a specific moment that you were like, I'm going to write a homeschool curriculum. How did, the, how did Blossom and Root come to be? Well, um, I think 
where it originally really started to take root, <laughs> not trying to be, <laughs> funny, but, um, was when we, when we moved to Maui, uh, we initially made the decision to homeschool our children. And, um, that was based on a whole lot of things. And I'm sure we'll get into that later at some point, but, uh, I tried to find a curriculum at that point that we could use for the early years and into the future. And I just wasn't finding anything that looked like what I wanted. Um, I knew I wanted something secular. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really wanted something that was very gentle and very hands-on, um, but also didn't require a lot of things, you know, like a lot of uh, craft supplies and materials and stuff that I would have to go find because we were living in Maui. We were on the North Shore. And as you know, there's just not... Um, not a lot of resources for us. Right. <laughs> so um, I wanted something that uh, didn't require you to, to acquire a lot of materials to begin with. And I really wanted something that incorporated a lot of nature um, mm-hmm. and a lot of creativity. And so this, this thing that I was seeing in my head so clearly I was not finding anywhere. And um, I don't know if you know very much about my background, but I was a teacher for a really uh, long time. I was um, preschool teacher, a pre-kindergarten teacher, a kindergarten teacher. Um, oh, yeah, I taught a lot of uh, a lot of um, workshops and summer camps and stuff with kids of all ages when I was working on my theater major too. So uh, since the time I was about 16 years old, education has been part of my life, either part-time or full-time, depending on what time period. So uh, after a couple of months of looking, I said, you know what? this is really silly. I have a really clear idea of what I'm wanting. I'm definitely capable of doing it. So I'm just going to write my own. (laughs) Um, And so I started working on that. And I, at the same time, I started the Blossom and Root blog, mostly just to document the educational journey we were on together, because I really love to write. I think above everything else that I do, writing is my favorite. So that was more for myself than anything else at that point. And then, um, I think it was about seven or eight months later, it kind of occurred to me while I was finishing up the early years curriculum that I might not be the only person that was looking for that. And there were probably other parents out there who were looking for it too. And I had poured my heart and soul into this, this, this curriculum. And I thought, you know, it's kind of selfish not to share it. (laughs) So, um, so I, I made the decision to start the, the concept of a business there um, but honestly, we didn't really, Blossom and Root wasn't my full-time thing until January mm-hmm. of this year. <laughs> um, oh, wow. yeah, I, I was doing all kinds of different work, but, um, most recently I was doing a lot of social media management and I was helping people write their courses, their online courses, and just kind of, um, little different jobs here and there for different clients. And so that's what I was really doing. And and in January, my husband and I sat down and decided that Blossom and Root was really the work where I felt I belonged and where I felt I made the biggest impact and was the happiest when I was working on it. So January of this year was really the first time I stepped into it fully as a, as a, a calling in a business. That's amazing. And I'm so glad you did because, um, Oh my gosh, everything you just described. <laughs> I'm one of those parents who was looking for exactly what you were saying that the early years support and it didn't seem like there was any out there. And every time I reached out online to say, Hey, I'm going to do this homeschool thing. Um, does anyone have any preschool curricula that they super like? Everyone just says, let them play, let them just do their thing. Don't, don't force it. Just don't rush it. And I was like, yeah, but with my um, education background too, I was like, you know, I just, I know that there can be more to learning and there can be that connection there and all of that. And, and that's how I came upon Blossom and Root. And fun fact, I did not know that you wrote that on Maui until after I started using it. And then through this series of connections, I was like, oh my gosh, of course it was written on Maui. <laughs> Just, it, it, it was wonderful. It was like this awesome serendipitous sign to me that like, yeah, you're on the right track and this is working. Um, I definitely don't think it's exclusive to Maui. I think that's just kind of the magic of Maui. I think you so know, too. Coming into yeah. play. 
Um, and the writing part, I totally get because um, writing for the podcast, writing for the blog, all of that, I feel like it all kind of started out sort of for me too, because I consider myself a writer as well. And so when I was meeting that need for myself, it was like, it's like filling your cup and then everyone else gets to benefit from the overflow too, which is really nice. Um, and Blossom and Rue has been so helpful to me. So thank you for having that moment where you're like, I need to share it. <laughs> You're welcome. My pleasure. <laughs> so I'm wondering why nature-based? Why nature-based in a, in a world full of technology? Ah, uh, that's, that's a, a good question. That's a really good question. Um, there's so many reasons. Um, after working as much as I have with small children, um, it's really clear to me how obvious that children need to spend time outside. Um, yeah. They need to spend time outside uh, learning from firsthand experience in the world that we live in. Um, where I taught, there were a lot of kids that did not get to spend much time outside. And um, it, sh- it, it was just, I would take them out and introduce them to, you know, something here or there. And they would just, it was like a whole new world for them to be exposed to that. And I, I grew up running and playing outside all the time. You know, I think, A, we grew up in a different time. Yeah. And, and secondly, I, I happened to have people in my life who wanted to take me outside and and take me hiking and take me camping. And that was important to the people who, uh, my parents and my grandparents, the influential people, the influential people in my life. So, Mm -hmm. um, I had that, but I got to spend a lot of time around kids who didn't have that, um, when I was in college and also when I was working in, um, early childhood education later, And it's just, it's something that's so ingrained in my heart that it's hard for me to describe. (laughs) Um, I just feel like they really, they have to be um, given that space and it's, it's healthy for them. It helps them regulate. It helps them learn to pay attention to things and to notice the rhythms and the patterns around us. And it's really important for development. Um, So when I became a mom, that was really important to me. And I remember taking both my daughters out of the house very soon after coming home from the hospital to start going for walks with them in the stroller. And anytime they would be fussy or have um, be having a difficult time, that was my solution was to take them outside. And it almost always worked. Um, right. And so that's really been a, an important part of my um, belief as a mom and as a teacher. So that's the most uh the, the deepest, I guess, answer. And then it comes forward um, when I think about what my goal is as an educator for my children. I really want to raise mm-hmm. daughters that are stewards of our planet. <laughs> and um, and I really, I hope, I think a lot of the parents that use our curriculum have that same goal and maybe that's why they're drawn to it. But how can we expect children to passionately defend something and take care of something that they don't have a relationship with? So they need Agreed. that time as a child to develop that relationship with the natural world so that they can care about it. And, and so that they do understand that their actions in the future have, um, that they have an effect on the world around them. So that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of the bigger picture. One. And then if I can just expand for a minute, um, nature-based, sure. when I say nature-based, it means more than just spending time in nature. It also means being in tune with our own nature. <laughs> and that's why we mm-hmm. emphasize so much in Blossom and Root creativity and exploration and interest-led investigations and a more open and forgiving rhythm where we can really pay attention to how we're feeling and, um, and to when things are out of balance. And it's really hard to do that if you're not in tune with your own inner nature. You know, I'm not trying to sound too crunchy. I'm a, a bit of a crunchy person. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> okay. Same, same, true. same. <laughs> We're normalizing that for other moms. <laughs> yes, that, that inner nature and the outer nature, they, they are connected. And so being in tune mm-hmm. with the outer natural world helps us to be in tune with the inner natural world. And it helps us to become healthier, um, healthier people who, who pay attention to things like maybe I need extra rest or maybe what I'm doing right now isn't having a good effect on me or the people around me. It's, it's, it's deeper than just nature-based meaning birds and um, grass and bugs. (laughs) It's being in tune with nature in us and outside of us. 
If that I love sense. that. Thank you for, <laughs> oh, absolutely. It makes complete sense. And I think it really brings people, will give people the opportunity to see the full circle of it all. Because I think that you're right, that that um, being in touch with your inner nature, your own self, and nature, meaning outside, outdoors, our planet, all of that. I mean, that is the root of connection. That is, that is connection because everything is connected. Yeah. And um I love that you gave a very thorough explanation of that because I think that some people see the term nature-based and think, oh, I have to do all the activities outside, that that's what that means. No, yes. But it's, exactly. that's, that's not the case at all. Um, and I love that. And I think it is really important. And the most recent example I can even think of that we just had this past week was when we went up Haleakala and had a, a, one of the rangers there. Um, talk about native versus introduced species, all of this. And I actually got to cross off a bucket list item and see an EEV, a native Hawaiian bird in person. And you'll know in Hosmer's Grove. And I was just as an adult was so inspired in that moment that we try to plant native trees on our property near there too. But now I, now that I've seen one in person and I know how small their habitat is and, and I've been there and I've seen it and I've just experienced that awe. I feel inspired to make changes as a, as an adult, as a person who can buy the native trees and can plant them and then pass that along to my children too. So I almost kind of feel like that that connection isn't just limited to children and we absolutely as adults have to have it too and yeah. model it for our kids and your curriculum does that it invites us in to have that connection too so thanks thanks for that The other part of your curriculum um, is, well, you mentioned secular for people who don't know that means not religious based, Um, but it's also Charlotte Mason inspired. And I know many homeschoolers and non homeschoolers who might not be familiar with Charlotte Mason and what that means and who she was. Yeah. So Charlotte Mason, I actually heard about her for the first time when I was, I was going back to school to get um, qualified to be a director for the early childhood education center where I worked. And they introduced us to a variety of different, um, different thought leaders when it comes to early childhood education. And Charlotte Mason was among them. And she was the one that really resonated with me the most. She was a British educator and she spent her life working to improve the way that we approach education. Um, but she, for me was so different from the other ones we were learning about because, uh, her emphasis was on the child as an already formed being <laughs> and mm. about our role as the educator is um, as like a support, a supporter, someone to present them with ideas to think about. And um, I just thought her philosophy was the most in tune with the way I felt as a teacher at that time and later as a parent. Um, and so we, when I was, um, when I was trying to decide on a curriculum to use before I started writing my own, that's what I was mostly looking at with Charlotte Mason curricula. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and I, I do love a lot of the philosophies, but I, I don't really love all of them. Um, so it was important to me that I would have the flexibility to take the ones I really liked and not the ones I didn't feel worked for our family's culture. Um, mm-hmm. So, and of course, when I started writing my own curriculum, that's something that came through as well. So there are several um, key things about her philosophy that we've adopted into our own homeschool, but also into the curriculum that I write. And uh, one of those is books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, Books are probably the biggest reason I was drawn to Charlotte Mason, because it involves a lot of reading of a lot of different kinds of books, you know, nonfiction and fiction and poetry and Shakespeare and um, just an exposure to the written word. And um, so that is definitely a big piece of her philosophy that we incorporate into the curriculum is the use of books. And another big one is uh, an emphasis on the arts. So I'm a theater major. That's actually what I got my degree in um, when I went to school. And my husband is in the arts as well. He's a drummer and an actor. And um, arts education is really important to both of us. So as parents, we wanted that to be a big part of our daughter's education. Um, But it's also, for a million reasons, um, really important to me as a teacher to um, incorporate that into education. So uh, an emphasis on the arts is another thing that we uh, take from Charlotte Mason's philosophies. And then another one is short lessons. 
So, mm-hmm. so yeah, especially in the early years, it's, it's, if you spend a lot of time around young children, um, you'll understand the value in keeping lessons short and sweet. And, uh, that's been really true for my children as well. Now, there are, of course, times where they get very interested in something and they want to keep going and, and getting deeper into it. And that's where we kind of stray away from Charlotte Mason's philosophy sometimes is that in the curriculum, I you know encourage parents to follow their children's lead when it comes to that. So um, the general rule is to keep things short and sweet. But if your child is really into something, give them that space. Um, so that's one variance that we have from her general philosophies. And then another really important Charlotte Mason philosophy we adopted was the emphasis on nature. Um, Mm. She emphasized a lot of time spent outside, uh, more in open free play than anything else, but also, you know, the deliberate studying of nature, like knowing the names of the birds and recognizing different bird calls and things like that. So formal and informal nature study, um, are both things that we, we love about the Charlotte Mason philosophy as well. And uh, another one I really love is the experience of science, her um, emphasis on the experience instead Mm -hmm. of this, like the more formal studying of science in the elementary years, she emphasizes experiencing it instead. So um, being outside and seeing, you know, the growth of a plant firsthand um, going through the different stages of its life cycle um, that's an experience of science. So it's different than learning about uh, the life cycle of an apple tree from a book or just from a lesson, actually seeing it with your own eyes. Um, so that was another really important part of her philosophy that I pulled into Blossom and Root when I was writing it. And then um, one that I'm not very good at, but I really want to get better at, is uh, incorporating handicrafts. So oh, yeah. things with your hands. That's something that I, I definitely realize the value in. I have a hard time. It's, it's kind of funny because I, I consider myself an artist, <laughs> but I have a hard time um, remembering to include that in an intentional way in our homeschool sometimes. We go through seasons where we will. So in the wintertime, we do more of it. But um, there is actually so much value uh, in a child sitting there and working through something like a knitting project. You know, there's a lot of math and fine motor development and uh, a lot of um, creativity and thought and, and process that goes on when you're working through a handicraft project. So that's something um, I would like to get better at doing in our own homeschool, but that's another part of her philosophy that I really appreciate. Um and then the, I think another really important one is how she believed in narration and the mm, observation yeah. of a child learning versus testing and formal demonstrations of knowledge. And especially after the experiences I've had in the classroom, I have to say that that's brilliant. <laughs> you know, just uh, having a child tell you in their own words what they've learned um, and what they heard after you've read them a story. Um, and then just watching their, watching the learning happen versus testing them is so, it gives you so much more information about who they are as a person and a learner. And, um, there's just only so much that a test can really show you, you know what I mean? And of course Mm -hmm. testing is important and it's going to be part of their life, uh, down the road probably, um, and, and there are situations where testing is absolutely necessary, but um, in my opinion, it's, it's rare <laughs> and uh, it's so much more valuable to incorporate narration and not even necessarily in a former way, but, um, or formal way, sorry. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But, um, <laughs> but, um, but having them, you know, talk to you about, you know, just listening to them retell a story about something that they saw outside or, um, you know, that's just, to me, it's such a deeper understanding of what they've, what they've learned and how they've processed the information. So that was a big, big one for us, uh, in terms of Charlotte Mason's philosophies, um, that we wanted to incorporate was the emphasis on that versus, uh, you know, fact memorization and formal, um, testing. Right. And I love that. And just to give you like a real life blossom and root relevant example, um, my two older daughters who are now six and four, they were five and four at the time. But when we were learning the Aesop fable, the crow and the pitcher, 
And my, it was for my older one who's in kindergarten, but the younger one wanted to give her interpretation of it too. And their narration back and their illustrations and all of this, they're, um, showed me so much about their learning styles and their minds and their personalities and, and where they are developmentally. It was way more valuable for me than if I had, had told them both the same story and then presented them with a piece of paper with some questions on it. You know, it was really, really super powerful. So I love that that is a part of that. And I think Charlotte Mason is incredible and I'm so glad that you tapped into her. And I'm hoping that a lot of our listeners will, be interested in all of these too. And there's a ton of information and books and whatnot on her. And yeah, it's really valuable. She's really awesome. Um, one of the other things I love about your curriculum is that it is so adaptable because one of the things you just mentioned was that, you know, you didn't align with everything. So, you know, it took bits and pieces and I get that vibe from, uh, blossom and root in general, that it is very adaptable, you know, like, as we mentioned, it's secular, but people could easily bring in their religious or spiritual beliefs. Yes. Um, uh, you know, around it or separate or with it or beside it. And it's just really open ended so that families can be flexible and tailor it to their own needs or values or lifestyles. And I'm sure this was really intentional. Yes, it was. I was wondering if you could comment a little bit about the flexibility of it, because I think it maybe catches some people off guard (laughs) that they're like, Oh, it's not, you know, it's a complete steps one through 10 on Monday, you know, complete this, do this, do this. So wondering if you could tell us a bit more about that. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, okay. So a lot of the programs we looked at when we first decided to homeschool were very, very structured. And, um, there is a degree of maybe initial comfort associated with that for me, but I knew that that would not be sustainable for us because I know, um, at least in our homeschool, we love to invite serendipity in. And Mm -hmm. I, I kind of have an authority problem, I think when it comes to (laughs) imposed structure, because I really do dig my heels in and rebel. If I feel like there's something really awesome that I want to pursue and I can't because this schedule says otherwise, um, oh, it actually makes yes. me, yeah, it makes me prickly. So yes, I, like, I feel well, you. <laughs> yeah, all this might be nice at the beginning to have this structure there for me. I know it won't last like that honeymoon period will be over so quick. And then I, I'll just be miserable because I'll feel like I'm forever trying to keep up with it, but also following, um, the heart of our homeschool, which is much more flexible. And, mm-hmm. um, so that was like personally why I designed it to be flexible at the beginning because I know myself. And even if I'm the one telling myself what I have to do, I'll still dig my heels in (laughs) if it's too structured. But um, that's just the personal part of it. Um, When it comes to the bigger picture, especially now that I'm writing every year's curriculum with other people in mind as well, um, I'm not just creating curricula. I'm creating supportive resources that I hope Uh, will empower parents to trust themselves and their child as they go through their homeschooling journey. So it's not just materials where I'm, I'm helping you teach geology to your child. I'm trying to create materials that help parents um, embrace their teaching voice more and their child's teaching voice more because their child is a teacher for themselves as well. And Mm -hmm. that's, this is where I get really passionate when I'm talking about blossom and root, because it's a much bigger picture for me than than just writing curriculum. For me, it's it's about thinking about the the contribution I want to make to the world. And for me, that's that's changing the way that some of us can approach education in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think my years of teaching really helped me um, to form this understanding that the world needs your child's unique gifts and your child comes here with something that they have to offer and we we need to give them the space to to become that person and to fulfill that and um in my opinion a lot of the the kids that i had come through my classroom anyway they would be that person and i could i could see that they were they had that de- that that gift there in within them and they were ready to go out into the world and develop it. But when they'd come visit me several years later after they'd started public school, cause I taught in a more um, intimate private setting where we had a lot more flexibility and we only taught up through kindergarten. So they would go into public school for elementary and they'd come back to visit me and 
and they were different. They had changed. They had been somewhat muted, I guess, mm-hmm. the best way to say it. it was it was hard on my heart to see that their enthusiasm um, was a bit stifled right then. And um, it's important to me that the materials I write help the child to teach themselves whatever it is that they want to learn as they grow and to help the parents that are their, um, their educational advocates trust their own instincts too. You know, if, if their instincts say, Hey, let's get away from the curriculum today because there's a really cool, um, experience that's being offered right now downtown in my city. I want them to have every confidence to go do that and to know that the curriculum will be there waiting for them when they come back. So it's not, I didn't want to write a formal guide that told you what to do every day. I wanted to write something that was kind of more like a roadmap for you. So it's kind of like if homeschooling is this fantastic road trip that we're going to go on and um, we're going to, you know, get on the road and we're going to learn all these awesome things. If you're going to go on an epic road trip, you're not going to pull out the map and look at the map the whole entire time and stay on the highway and only go where the map is telling you to go. That's not what makes a good road trip. What makes a good road trip is the side trips. You know, you get off over here and, and you go find out what's in that funky little town to the right, or you go mm-hmm. to the world's biggest ball of twine or whatever it is that's calling your name. And you know that when you're ready, you can get back on the highway again and unroll that map and it will be waiting for you and ready to carry you to the next destination. And that's more what I think of um, what I want to write with Blossom and Root is, is that kind of a resource for parents and for kids. So mm-hmm. that they have the confidence in themselves to pursue where their interests take them. And that can be within the subject that they're using our curriculum for or not. You know, you just mm-hmm. never know the, the funny little trails you're going to go off on when you're studying, you know, fungi. You never know the crazy little things that are going to spark for your child or for you, because this is about learning as a family and learning as a culture. So um, that was a very complicated answer, but it, it's just a matter of, I want, I want, I want Blossom and Root to work for the families that use it. I don't want them to feel like they're a slave to the curriculum. I am, I'm clapping inside my heart right now. Um, <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm trying to like not make a bunch of extra noise, <laughs> I'm like, but just know that I'm like, yes, 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 yes. That is the perfect analogy for people to hear. That is so brilliant. The road trip example, because that is life. That is, that is what we want and what we're after. And, and you can go on this road trip, literally or figuratively or both. And, and you're right. The exciting parts are swinging through um, different areas that you're in interested in, or even like stopping to eat when you're hungry and not following the itinerary of like, no, you will have this said snack in the car. And then we will eat at this restaurant at 11, right on the dot. You know, I feel like when we start to put things like that in place, um, you know, that might work for some, some people, maybe, um, I, but it definitely wouldn't work, wouldn't work for me. And I don't think it would work for like a group of people. It is about the family. And when you were saying that, I was thinking, absolutely. I don't feel that blossom and root is only a curriculum for children. It's also a curriculum for adults. It's more than a curriculum. It's a mindset. You know, it's, it's changing your mindset, changing the, the way you view the world, the way you view nature, the way you connect with things and other people. And, and it is about that connection and that journey together. And, you know, we are in it for the long haul. We didn't just buy the RV just to let it sit in the driveway. Right. You know, we've right. got to, we've actually got to go on the road trip together for better, for worse, you know, and deal with everything from flat tires to the best burger stand we've ever been to, you know? Yeah. So there's ups and downs and all of that. And, and I like that flexible piece um, because in everything you just said, it, it just transitions exactly into what I wanted to talk about with you next of this idea of lifelong learning, yeah. because I think that we live in a society that basically has us feeling like once we graduate from whatever, graduate from high school, graduate from college, that we suddenly are supposed to know everything. You know, we become parents and we're just supposed to know everything there is to know about parenting. And it's just not it. And we're going to learn our entire lives, whether we fight that along the way or we embrace it. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um, so I'm, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that I guess when it boils down to like the biggest educational goal I have for my children as a parent is I want them to, I want them to know how to learn. 
you know, I want them mm-hmm. to, I just want them to know that whatever they become interested in, um, whatever they become interested in their whole entire life, that they have the tools within themselves to go and find out what they want to learn about that thing so that they can do it. And, and that can be a temporary, it can be like an experiment, you know, like, oh, I just want to learn, you know, how to cook a really good pie crust, how to bake a really good pie crust, or it can be a major thing. Like I want to learn how to code so that I can write my own programs and help with this solution that I'm trying to find for myself and for other people. You know, it can be a small thing or a large thing and they both have value and it's impossible to know right now, even for myself, what I want to know for the whole rest of my life. So I, I want to be a flexible learner and, a, and an enthusiastic learner. And I want to feel empowered to learn whatever I want to learn. And that's what I want for my daughters. So that's the way I approached writing this. <laughs> that's awesome. And I get that vibe wholeheartedly. And it, it actually inspires me to do that too, because I want very similar things for myself and for my kids. And I want us to just all acknowledge that we you know, it's okay to pursue your interests. Like you said, everything from the pie crust to to whatnot. And I set these little goals for myself and I see my kids doing that too. And it's, it's interesting to watch them want to dive into different subjects and then to have the support that I need in order to support them. Yeah. Um, so what, what about you and your lifelong learning journey with, um, having a business, what were, and creating a a curriculum, what were some of the main challenges when you first began and how are they different from now? Well, I would say when I started, um, the biggest challenge was just trusting myself and the knowledge that I had accumulated, um, over the last, I guess, lifetime, um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and just really trusting the creative process. And um, honestly, that challenge probably will never go away. That's probably always going to be something that I I just, I I just took a deep breath when you said that as another creator, I was like, yes, (laughs) there's so much. I mean, you would think after, you know, I, I've been an actor, I've been an artist, I've been a writer. So I'm used to the ups and downs of the creative process, but it never goes away. (laughs) Like, no matter how many things I make, I still go through that period where I'm like, Oh, this is such a great idea. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. This is the worst thing ever. Why would anybody want this? And then back around to, you know, hey, this is actually okay. This is pretty good, you know? It's just like oh, yeah. I never I always expect myself to somehow be cured of that. And it of course never goes away. But I would say that was the biggest challenge at the beginning was just learning to trust myself and the value of the mission I was on because it would have been so much easier, I think, just to just to settle <laughs> for something yeah. that like would fit for us and just, you know, try to adapt it or whatever, but yeah. that's not what I wanted. And I had to trust myself that, that, that the calling that I had was of value and that it was worth the hard work and it was worth, you know, the, the ups and downs of the creative process. And so that was the biggest challenge at the beginning, but I have to say in the last year, the challenge continues to be that, of course, whenever I'm making something new. But it's also more about learning how to balance all the different roles that I now have in my business and at home. Um, so now now I have, you know, emails in my inbox every day. That didn't that wasn't a thing really until this year where I would have email every single day waiting for me when I woke up. So that was that was one new role. And like uh we have a Facebook group now, so you know, being present there, um, but also giving them space to have their conversations amongst themselves. And um, so it's, it's, it's uh, a matter of, okay, now I'm, I'm not just a curriculum writer. I'm also, you know, I'm running a company and I, you know, I work with charter schools and I work with um, helping people with, you know, printing issues and stuff online and um, trying to help answer questions as best I can in several different forums at all times. And so it's just learning how to kind of do this little dance and it feels like dancing. You know, I, I dance from one uh, role where I'm wearing a certain hat to another throughout the whole day. And then balancing that also with being a mom and a homeschooler and a wife and yeah, <laughs> you know, be a social being in some capacity. <laughs> so, right. um, so now the challenge is a lot more um, learning to do that, but also learning to save space for the creator part of me because that's when that's out of balance and I'm not giving her room, everything mm-hmm. falls apart. So I have mm-hmm. to be, I have to set boundaries and I have to um, 
I kind of have to trick myself sometimes. <laughs> I know I can't, um, you know, as a creative, and I think a lot of creative people are quite sensitive. And so whenever we read anything, we think really deeply about it and uh, we let it go to heart. And so I kind of have to trick myself and keep myself out of situations where I'm going to read things that will throw me off track, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So I'm, yes, careful, makes- I'm careful about where I spend my time online. Um, if I see a conversation happening in, in a homeschool group, that's not a Blossom and Root group, and I see her name come up. I immediately exit the room, so to speak. <laughs> Probably like a nice thing that somebody's saying, but I don't want to read it <laughs> because I know if it's not, or even if they like say something offhand that isn't even that bad, I tend to uh, take everything to heart when it comes to my work because it is so personal for me. I know. So, um, I have to know that that's going to happen. And therefore, you know, I have to take care of my creator heart um, in this, this new role of sharing everything with the world. <laughs> the vulnerability piece that comes along with creating this um, in a, you know, just the podcast, the curriculum, the support, like supporting other people, yeah. it feels like the only way for it to be effective is if we are real, real and vulnerable, yeah. but it definitely, I know exactly what you're talking about, you know, <laughs> with the emails and the social media and the comments and the messages, messages and, and everything else and trying to balance everything. It gets to be it gets to be a lot. And I also hear what you're saying with needing to honor that writer and really come back to yourself and do something that fulfills you so that you can keep giving. Cause if that gets neglected for sure, I get into a rut big time. Yeah. 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 Um, So what, with all of this, because it seems like entrepreneurship and running a business and creating things has just become so complex because of all of the online elements and whatnot. And so what inspires you to keep going? Oh, my, my daughters, my daughters, you know, anytime I, anytime I'm, I'm having a harder slog (laughs) and Mm. um, I'm having kind of a, a rougher period, the, only thing that works every time is to remember who I'm writing this for in the first place. And that is for my children. So, um, and that's actually something my husband helped me to kind of, um, to embrace as a, as a strategy, because I would say, Oh, you know, I'd be going through the rough part of the creative process. And Mm -hmm. this this is just terrible. Why would anybody want to to do this. <laughs> he would say, is it good enough for your daughters? And I would say, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's def- like, yeah, we'll have a great time with it. He's like, then it's good. You know, you need to quit doubting yourself. But um, I feel like that's a natural part of the process, of course. But sure. um, really, they are who I'm writing this for. And so when I um, sit down to brainstorm a new piece, or I'm outlining it, or I'm going through the hard work of the first draft or the editing, um, they're really my biggest inspiration because I write the stuff I write because I want to do that with them, you know, and I want to bring this information to them and, and spread this feast to use a Charlotte Mason term um, Mm -hmm. uh, before them so that they can be exposed to all these ideas. So if, if it comes down to one thing, I would say my inspiration is absolutely my, my girls. I write Mm -hmm. for them. I love that. And honestly, um, what better product than a passionate one that a mother has created for her own children? Yeah. You know, yeah, like <laughs> we definitely pour everything into them. So when I hear someone saying, oh, yeah, I just I put my all into it for my own children. I'm like, well, then that's going to translate really well to the rest of us, yeah. because there isn't anyone else that we, you know, would would go to that level for. Yeah. So I love that. So speaking of children, because they're obviously your motivation behind it, and they are involved, it sounds like in this process some way, somehow, um, I wanted to talk about that balance that we're striving for. um, How do do you balance motherhood and running a business? You know, what does that look like for you? Like, how involved are your kids? Or is it separate? Or what does it look like in your house? Um, this is something that I think is something I'll probably work on for my whole life, uh, trying to get better at. And, um, this year was a big one for balance because I learned a lot of hard lessons about, um, about energy and how to manage it. (laughs) But, Mm. um, yeah, it is, it's a lot of work. I'm not going to candy coat that, you know, 
running a business from home and being a mother and a homeschooling mother at that at the same time is a lot of work. So what I have to do, um, and this is something I've spent a lot of time this year learning is I have to, I have to learn how to regulate energy and how to give space to the things that need my attention, um, without taking away from the most important thing, which is being a mom for me. So, Mm -hmm. um, that comes down to being really intentional about how I spend my time, how I set aside my time and really having firm boundaries in place. So one of the things that's really been helpful for me this year is that I get up really early in the morning. I get up hours and hours and hours before everybody else in my house gets up and I have this sacred quiet time where nobody else is around and it's silent and I'm not going to be interrupted. And that's when I do my most important work, which is almost always building out whatever the next piece is of our curriculum. And, um, and I, I try to get that done, that chunk of time done before they even wake up because then when they're up and our homeschool morning starts, I shut work down. I don't check my email. I try not to get on social media other than maybe I'll like throw a post onto my story, but I don't go scrolling through the feed at that time. Um, and I try to be as present as possible with them during our homeschool time. And um, that time is equally sacred to the time that I got earlier in the morning for work. And then um, the afternoon is kind of our time where they they go and they they can run and play and and you know, create and just do what they're interested in doing. And that's kind of when I take care of stuff that I don't mind being interrupted from. So um, I can't write with any interruption. I'm like, I'm really grumpy when people interrupt me when I'm writing. (laughs) Same. Literally the same. (laughs) Because I hate being interrupted when I'm writing. But I can totally be interrupted when I'm, you know, writing emails or posting on social media or doing a keyword search. Like, no problem. You can totally interrupt that. So I do that stuff in the afternoon when I w- I don't mind um, interruptions. But anytime this formula gets out of whack, everything kind of falls apart. So it, it takes discipline. I have to discipline myself to get up early, but that means disciplining myself to go to bed early too, and um, disciplining myself to eat when I need to stop and eat, and you know, taking care of rest. Um, I I had an experience this year where. I had finished, I finished our second and third grade curriculum um, programs back to back. And I finished third grade and I was like, okay, I need, you know, a couple of days to rest a couple of days. <laughs> like that's absurd. It took me weeks before I could start working again because I was so exhausted. And so yeah. that, for me, that was a really hard lesson because it was like, okay, you're not in college anymore. Um, you you have a lot more on your plate now. So you have to be smart about taking care of yourself and your energy levels and resting, really resting when you need to rest, not just, you know, putting it in your calendar and calling it a day. Okay. I rested on Monday, but like giving space to refill the well, so to speak, because it's, it's Mm -hmm. not a, it's not a resource that replenishes itself automatically, no matter how much you come and take from it, you have to do the work of refilling it, you have to rest, you have to um, read books for pleasure and go for walks and um, give back to that creative energy that you were given in the first place, you know, it's not you can't just keep pulling from it all the time, or you get really tired and, and your health falls apart. So um, I have to be really good about taking care of myself. And that helps me be a better businesswoman, a better creator, and a better mother when I do, and a better wife. I'm sure my husband doesn't like when I'm grumpy when I'm writing either. So um, right. so I, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of boundaries, really firm boundaries um, of when I do what kind of work, um, you know, chunks of time for each kind of work that I do. And so I can be fully present as a mother and a homeschooler um, during that time. I love that. And I, I wake up at 5am every day. Well, most days I did not today because we went to a concert last night and my body was like, you need to rest. And so I paid attention to that. Yeah. And I really feel like if I had forced myself awake at 5am when my body was calling for rest, the rest of the day wouldn't have gone as well. Yes. That's so true. It's definitely thrown off. And I was like, what do you mean? It's 1130. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like 30. What's going on? I know. Um, you know, so it did throw things off a little bit that way. But, you know, I was rested enough to handle it. Yeah. 
So I love that. I love that you're, you know, that you rest, that you take time for that and, and that you pointed out that it actually takes practice because you just finished that curriculum and then you were like, I'm going to schedule a few days off. And then you learned that it was weeks. So, you know, and I feel like this is something that we just kind of have to relearn and relearn and relearn, but it does get easier and easier. You know, I stop giving myself a hard time, such a hard time for sitting down and reading a book. Why do we do that? That's ridiculous. I do the same thing. I know. Right. And then we're like, we know that logically that we're supposed to be modeling reading for our children and and that it's a good thing. And like from a societal standpoint, you know, reading a book and, and New York times bestsellers and things like that is like, it's just something that's a given that you're just supposed to be doing. And all of us are like, but I don't have time to read or, you know, it it feels frivolous, but it's not, it it absolutely isn't. Yeah. So, um, can I just ask what time do you wake up in the morning? Oh, What's um, I aim for four so that I can be functioning oh. by four thirty. Um, yeah. It's it's a sliding scale from time to time. I know I'm probably going to be off a little bit uh, with the time change. Actually, it'll probably be in my favor, but because um, <laughs> it'll be lighter earlier. But um, I, I'd say four o'clock is is my norm. Yeah. Okay. Because it takes well, me a pot of coffee to really get going, really get flowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's good to hear that because for people to hear that, to hear the practical nitty gritty details of it, because when I tell some people that I wake up at five, they're like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. And I was like, I don't know, give it a try. Yeah, I didn't think I could do it either, but it was the only time that I felt was truly mine and that I felt inspired. And it was when I was fresh at the beginning of the day. And it's like, whatever else happens in that day, even if I don't get any other work done that day, if I got that time done, that time in, I'm okay, you know, and I won't have this anxiety of, oh my gosh, I didn't get anything done today. You know, if I got that done, I'm good. So I'm a happier, more relaxed person. (laughs) Yeah. And if I don't get that time in the morning too, for me personally, um, I feel like I'm fighting for it the rest of the day. Me too. Like, and that just kind of makes me grumpy. Like, you know what? I, I need my time too. But if I take it, in the morning, first thing that I've had it. And then I just spend the rest of the day doing what needs to be done, you know, without feeling like when's my turn coming. Yeah. So, and, but now I'm thinking, Hmm, and I'm, I like this so much. I like that filling the cup so much and writing and creating and all of that, that I asked you that question about specific time. Cause I was like, maybe I do need to turn my own personal clock back <laughs> just a little bit earlier before five. So I love that. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. You're so, so you answered the call to create, and I know that there are some mamas out there, some listeners who are feeling their own call to create, whether that's a business or, or a project or, or whatnot. Um, what advice would you have for them for moms who want to start a business or pursue a calling that they have on their heart? I would say that the first thing is to understand that it is a value. It has so much value. And, um, I know it kind of sounds funny, but sometimes when I, when I start a creative project, I feel like it's a little selfish because Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sitting down to go within and that does require a degree of, um, to go into yourself and away from others. And so you, you have to understand that that thing that you're going in to do is so important and it's your gift to the world, whether it's small or big or everything in between, you don't have to have this grand mission in mind. It can be something very small, but it's still so important. And it takes so much courage to say my work is important and, um, I deserve to have time to work on it. So, um, you know, have that courage and be intentional about, what gets your attention and your time um, when you set aside this space to work on that? And uh, sometimes, like I said, you have to be really realistic with yourself. Like if you know you're going to get derailed by, um, you know, even a like an offhand comment, you know, don't don't put yourself in a position where you're going to hear it from somebody whose opinion is not important to the grand scheme of things. You know, um, so only share your your work with. Um, when you're working on it, only share it with people that you really trust and whose opinions matter to you. And then once you put it out into the world, you know, be protective. They, you know, it's an old actor saying to never read the reviews, you know, but that has so much truth, you know, like you have to, you have to protect yourself and your heart, especially if you're going to continue making work. And so, um, you know, if, if you're really good at like hearing, 
um, comments that might hurt your feelings, you know, and you have no problem with that, that's great, you know, but if you know that you're sensitive, you know, stay away from situations where that might happen. (laughs) And um, that's that comes down the line, of course. But I would say courage is the most important thing. Like if you're if you're coming to a space to create, be courageous and understand the value of your work and keep keep it real with like what matters, you know, um, in this, in the social media world, so many people have a megaphone. So, you know, yes. just, you've got to keep it in, like in, in perspective, you know, and, um, you have to make space for it and be willing to work on it really hard for a long time and be patient because it takes yeah. a lot longer to make something come to life than we usually think it will, you know? So you have, yeah. so you have to be willing to sit with it for a long time and be patient with that, that idea while it's being born. I think one of the best books I ever read was big magic. Yes. Because she, and she talks about that, like creativity has got a life of its own and you have to, you have to give it room and you have to give it space and you have to show up for it. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, and I would also say, especially for mamas who want to start a business. And one of the lessons I'm still teaching myself right now is to learn when to ask for help or to, to get help, <laughs> you know? So I just now, um, I'm, I'm, I finally, I, well, the universe handed me this opportunity to work with somebody on Pinterest. And um, I was like, you know, I knew for like a year that I needed to, you know, have Pinterest be a more active part of our game, but I just don't have any bandwidth right now to add anything else. And I don't know Pinterest very well. And it just, Mm. it was wonderful. A mom who uses our curriculum, she reached out to me and that happens to be her passionate calling is to work on Pinterest. And, you know, I was so happy because I really wanted to work with somebody who knew homeschooling and who also knew our, you know, why we were kind of, um, what we brought to the table as far as homeschooling. Yeah. So I, I immediately said, yes. I mean, I was like, I looked at her credentials and I was like, yes, I'm going to go ahead and finally ask for help here because <laughs> I can't do everything by myself. And I think right. I have a tendency to want to do everything by myself, but then I'm like, oh, I'm stretched too thin. You know, I put myself in this position, but I still feel, you know, like stifled by it. So knowing when to ask for help or when to seek help or when to bring someone on board, even if it's just like a little bit here and a little bit there, it makes a huge difference. So yeah, I would say have courage. Um, and even if you are courageous, you know, and, you know, it, honor the sensitivity of your artist's heart <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, and protect it. And sometimes, yeah. You know, sometimes you have to really, um, it helps to have somebody in your corner that can help remind you of this. And that's what my husband does for me is, you know, anytime I'm like, oh, you know, I'm feeling sensitive today about something. He'll tell me, you know, like, who are you making it for? So that, that reminder of who I'm actually creating for grounds me every single time. I'm making it for my daughters. Ah, okay. I'm better now. I can keep creating. So knowing what that thing is for you that helps ground you mm-hmm. in your work again is so helpful. And, um, and yeah, just being patient and, and being willing to work really hard because yeah. it's, it's giving birth. You are giving birth to something when you create a business or a work of art or a book or anything else that you're making. It's, it's a physical act, you know, even if it's coming out of your brain. So be prepared for the exhaustion that can come with that sometimes and take care of yourself. Yeah. A little rest there, like you were mentioning earlier. Yeah. That's awesome. That is just amazing advice. And, you know, I hope some listeners go back and rewind that section and just start writing it all down. We'll also include it in the show notes, but those are amazing tips and really real advice on what the process is like and, and things you can do to, you know, deal with the highs and lows that come along with it. And, you know, your book suggestion is perfect. Big magic is just for me. I read it and was like, finally, someone understands. Like it felt like finally someone understands what the creative process is like and what it's like to be a creator. And it's just awesome. That was amazing. Thank you. Okay. Last question, because even though this is an episode about creating, it is slightly about homeschooling. Well, you know, it's both. So what advice would you have for mamas who are interested in homeschooling? I would say it's almost the same advice. (laughs) Like, 
have courage. Have courage. Decide whose opinion you listen to and whose opinions you're not. Because it ultimately comes down to why you're doing this in the first place. If you're doing this because you know in your mother or father heart that this is the best thing for your child and your family, then it doesn't matter what Aunt Susie says at the Thanksgiving table. And it doesn't matter what the guy at the mall said about homeschoolers being awkward. Like it doesn't matter what these random people um, or even important people in our life, if they disagree with our decision, if we know in our heart that it is the right choice. Mm-hmm. So have courage. Um, be prepared for when you're coming into situations where you know you're going to hear feedback you don't really ask for. <laughs> um, you know, just keep it, keep your mission in your heart and and keep it keep it where you can remember um, in the face of that criticism um, why you're doing it in the first place. So that's the first thing, just like it was for the creative business endeavor part. Um, you got to have courage and you have to remember why you're doing it in the first place and be patient. <laughs> be mm-hmm. patient. It's going to take a lot of time to really find your own groove and find your rhythm and your child's um, learning style to like learn how they learn. And it's going to change. Like as soon as you think you've got it down and you know, you know how you operate as a teacher and you know how your child operates as a learner, they're going to go through one of those growth spurt changes or those development changes, or you're going to go through a personal change and you're going to have to do it all over again. So patience is really important. And then I would say also like, no matter what materials you do decide to use or don't use Mm -hmm. for your homeschool, just understand that those things are support materials. They are not the thing that that dictates every move you make in your homeschool. You're in charge of what happens in your homeschool your child's interests are really important too. So give them space. And remember just like you, you are not bound to those materials. You don't have to do what they tell you to do. And on the, the timeline, they tell you to do them and embrace that freedom because that's really where a lot of the magic of homeschooling happens is in the things that come up um, either out of like interest in a rabbit, like some kind of rabbit hole that you go off on something inspired by your curriculum, or maybe something's going on in your city. That's like a really cool experience. And you're like, Oh, we can't do that because we're supposed to do this on Tuesday, you know, like have the freedom to do that because that's where a lot of the best magic happens mm-hmm. is in the, in the things that come up that the universe delivers to us and says, Hey, check this out, you know, like check it out and then come back later. Your curriculum will wait for you. It's not going to go away. So that would be my other advice. And, um, and then the last thing I would say is don't go it alone. You know, um, we're lucky. Uh, the same thing I just kind of complained about with the internet world. It's actually such a blessing and it's more of a blessing than a curse because we have this ability to connect with other people like us all around the world. So, you know, even if you're in an area where you might not have a lot of people in person that are homeschooling near you, you know, make connections with people on Facebook or on Instagram and, and, you know, develop that trust in each other to confide into one another when you're having a problem, because it's really hard to do this by yourself. And yeah. there's no reason to, there's so much support available for you and listen to podcasts and watch YouTube videos and read the blogs. And, you know, you're not in it alone. And a lot of us are going through the exact same things you're going through. And I think just mm-hmm. knowing that can be so helpful when you're homeschooling, Yes, knowing that you're not the only yeah. one to do that. Yeah. Right. It normalizes it. And that makes a huge difference. And I think that's brilliant. You're, it's totally true. Your advice for the business staff is could absolutely be copied and pasted over into the homeschooling section. Yeah. Too. And no one I love that. that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Down to the rest of everything. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. I think they're very similar, you know, starting a business. Oh, they are. Yeah. They're so similar. Yeah. And I think part of the, the reason they're similar is it because it involves us and yeah. we are a whole person. And, you yeah. know, that mindset and our values and taking action and, and living a meaningful life, like that can be applied to anything we choose to do. Yeah. Whether it be running a business or raising our children or homeschooling them or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I love that. Christina, thank you so much <laughs> for being here with us and sharing so much about this. I think this is brilliant. I have loved every second and I'm I'm just in awe of what you do and and how you show up for yourself and your family and so many of us 
too. Um, I know that some listeners are probably going to want to connect with you a little bit more. Is there a way for them to do that? Um, yeah, the, the best place to find me is on, well, I, I'd say if you have individual questions for me, email is definitely the best way to get a hold of me. And my email is Christina with a K at blossomandroot.com. So Christina at blossomandroot.com. Um, and then also just our website, www.blossomandroot.com. And then um, I tend to, I, I love Instagram. I think Instagram is a fantastic platform. So I'm on there a lot. So you can definitely direct message me there as well. And it's at blossomandroot.com. So. Yeah, I love your Instagram. You really do a great job of curating it. I really like it. Yeah. Oh, thank well, thank you. Uh, thank you again for um, sharing so much with us. Um, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Lori Beth. I really enjoyed this. Thanks. Me too. Aloha. Aloha. That's it for this episode of Elevating Motherhood. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration or maybe a little of both. If you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you.